This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. Use my discount code MAX20 to get yourself 20% off on almost anything over at Luke. Obviously, it's getting a little bit colder outside and Luke have just brought out the brand new Autumn 23 range and there's some absolute beauties in there. So if you fancy getting yourself a bargain and also supporting the channel, please go and use the code MAX20 over at Luke. Hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Lyon. Simon, how are you, mate? All good? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Not too bad, thank you. Good, good. Um, apologies, there wasn't a podcast last week. Our sort of schedules didn't quite align and it wasn't just because we lost to Forest. I promise, our just schedules weren't quite aligned, um, unfortunately. I don't think there's much to talk about, is there, in terms of the Forest? And I mean, we could talk a little bit about the Outmar game, but we don't need to talk about that Forest game, do we? I mean, every team loses games. I think it was kind of just one of them, unfortunately. Unfortunately, every side has games where they're just not really going to turn up. We really didn't look like scoring. I mean, I say every single week on the video, on the podcast, whatever, that I never worry about Villa scoring goals. We scored so many goals this season, especially at home. It's ridiculous. But in that game, fair play to Forest. They got that early goal. It was just never quite going to happen, was it? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose it's been really well documented since that game, really. I think I think the game was one of them. I think Forest kind of sat deep. They didn't have massive intention to really sort of come at us and the two goals we conceded they were both from outside the area essentially with the second one being um you know a mistake from the goalkeeper mm. and uh I think we we huffed and puffed didn't we we had we had a few chances I mean we weren't clinical on the day were we I mean Ollie Watkins had a good chance Zaniolo had a, had, had a good chance and um and obviously we had the the ones where we kept getting into the box and didn't pick out the right pass yeah. or the right cross and so it kind of felt like we could have been playing until the following weekend and we still we still wouldn't have scored but I think the what the, what the Premier League has shown you this season is that away from home and anyone can lose a game and that's mm. the thing anyone can beat anybody within the division and I think Forest set up spot on tactically they they got their midfield battle won essentially didn't they against us and uh, I don't think we could have many complaints I mean, on, on another day you, we, we probably could have come away with a point if we had a mean clinical but I don't think we had many complaints if if, if we've been honest and, uh, and I think I said after that it was really important that we bounced back in, in the week obviously we had Altmar in the week and followed up by the Fulham game the weekend just gone and so it was really important that we bounce back and that's exactly what we did so yeah happy days yeah it felt like everything that day went through Luca Dean didn't it and I mean I, you're not going to say this ever against Unai Emery but it kind of feels like when we went to Forest uh, sort of last season to Gerrard it just felt like it just wasn't going to happen and this is a horrible quote we're just waiting for that little bit of magic weren't you so look we'll move on from that Forest game every team loses games it was unfortunate but I mean it was annoying as well though because yesterday against Fulham we would have gone top of the league for a little bit wouldn't we if we'd beaten Forest I know it's if buts and maybes but I think it's just before Man City played when we would have gone the top of the league so that would have been something uh, bizarre wouldn't it yeah it would have um and I, and, I, and I think it just shows there's still obviously there's still work to do even though we're doing absolutely amazingly I think we, we've got a challenge away from home and I think I said it to you I think you know we've kind of been a, a maybe like a little bit of a transitional period away from home so to speak I mean when Emery came in we were sort of results first kind of thing because we were in such mm. bad form and we needed to move away from the from the relegation zone and so we kind of went with that mentality that it was results first it was a little bit back to the wall job it wasn't 
the prettiest kind of thing. We were we were we were coming out with like thirty percent possession away from home. If you remember those first few months, yeah. and we were getting results, which is exactly what we needed. But I think as time's gone on, Emery obviously wants to play in this controlled possession format as we do at home, away from home as well. And I suppose it's the sign of how teams rate us. You know, teams do set up fairly defensively. They sit in deep, and we and it's up to us to break them down. And um, you know, there's been a couple of games where. That has been a little bit of a strain in the season, the way at Wolves and the way at Forest in particular. And um and yeah, and it took to us to sort of work that out. And like I say, we're in a little bit of a transitional phase in terms of that. But I think that will come. It'll come in time. I think once the players get used to that, teams aren't going to sit a little bit deeper against us. I think that will come. Our away form is far from poor. It's it's nowhere near what our what our home form is, kind of thing. And so yeah, there's still stuff to be worked out. Uh, still, still, still improvements can be made. But that's what's kind of scary, isn't it? We're doing so well, yeah. but but we can, but we've still got improvements there. And so if we could make those improvements. Who knows where Villa could be? Well, exactly. And I think you talk about the, the the times where you watch Villa play and it might be a little bit frustrating because you're sort of waiting for us to break teams down and a, a couple of people might moan about us being a little bit slow. And that, that kind of brings us on to the Ars and Outmar game, doesn't it, last week on Thursday night at Villa Park? Like, I thought I thought we were, we were okay. I think there were spells where we, we were okay. We were decent moving the ball well, but it was quite a lot of, uh, this is quite slow. I mean, Martinez was doing that thing where he loves to just stay on the ball. And if they're not going to press, like, absolutely fair enough. Crack on, walk, walk up to the halfway line if you want to. But especially with them going one nil up, it, it did look like it was going to be a bit of a difficult night, but it was nice that we uh, responded fairly quickly. And it was always going to be a sort of set piece, wasn't it? Diego Carlos getting his first goal for Villa to sort of get back into that game. And then we found the winner with probably what was the only bit of quality on the night. Yeah, I, I think we get. I think we get nervy. I think especially if we're especially if we're losing. I think we look at the clock and think, oh, we've only got twenty twenty five minutes, and we one nil down, and we're still sort of playing this sort of slow build up uh, game. But it comes from the manager. This is how the manager wants us to play, mm. and the manager has been very steadfast in that. And you look at him on the sidelines, and he's telling the players to calm down, to slow it down all the time. We came out winners in the end. Obviously, we we took advantage of having a couple of big lads at the back, which we don't normally do, mm. especially with Carlos. And obviously he scores off that one set piece. We don't usually pump the ball into the box, do we, off our set pieces? Mm. But the one time we did it, because Carlos was in the team, obviously he gets on the score sheet. And then uh, just a little bit of Louise magic sets up Watkins. And I think overall it was it was a deserved it was a deserved win. I think these European games have maybe have been a little bit more tricky than what maybe what we expected. But I think I think what, what's been nice about them is that we haven't quite, we haven't really exerted ourselves massively though. We've mm. kind of conserved a lot of energy in these games and yet we're sort of feeling our way into this competition and yet we're still sort of joint top with the, with the chance to win the group. And so I think you've got to be overall pleased with our efforts so far. And, and as and as I say, it's not impacting on our, on our league form at the moment. Yeah, and that's what everyone was, I mean, we'll do this Europe chat now while we were sort of on the topic. I think that's what everyone was talking about, weren't they? Sort of at the start of the season, this brand new Villa team to Europe, how are they going to be able to cope with the Sunday sort of Thursday thing? And that's why I think our recruitment in the summer was very good because we got quite in, I think pretty much all of them had, had played in Europe. You're looking at sort of your Pau Torres, Telemans, Diaby, they've all sort of, played in Europe these new signings but I think we are playing it quite well in Europe that we aren't going mental and even someone like like a Luca Dean for example we have got these injuries to sort of three or four first team players and someone like a Luca Dean for example has played every single game now 90 minutes full on since August so I think we are playing it well in the league and in in, in Europe maybe not obviously the, the domestic cups we can forget about that but we are playing it nicely aren't we that we have got these lads who are going to have to play every single game but a lot of games, we just don't seem to come out of first and second gear. And we'll talk about the Fulham game later on. But 
I can't remember the last time where I thought, I think Forest was different because that was frustrating, wasn't it? But when we do seem to win, which has been a lot this season, we don't seem to have to come out of second gear, which is great. It's a great trait to have. Yeah, I think we conserve a lot of energy, if I'm being honest, throughout the games. I think it's how we, I think it's how we play. Obviously, we're dominating the ball, which uh, obviously does conserve a lot of energy. And so players are able to play more often. Um, we have got that. I think we've got decent rotation options. I mean, if you're saying to anybody in the Conference League, you can have Diego Carlos and uh, Clement Longley as your back two, um, and they're backup sort of centre halves that don't play in the Premier League. I think most, well, most if not all teams would take that. So I think. I think our strength in depth is pretty decent as well. Um, I think if you look at West Ham last season, how they struggled in the league yeah. after Europe, I think our strength in depth is better than West Ham's, to be honest with you. And I think it's showing that in the performances. But you're right, Villa aren't really having to, I don't want to say put loads of effort in, because that sounds like we're being really big-headed or cocky. But it's just that we're playing our game the way we know, and it's not using up a lot of, a lot of energy. Um, and it's seen us through into the next game, obviously on the weekend, and still enabling us to to pull out performances and, 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 and points. And, you know, I'm not saying every Premier League match has been vintage. I think the last mm. two, you know, Fulham and Luton, they, they haven't been absolutely amazing, but Villa has still got you know, really comfortable results and still scored plenty of goals as well. And so, yeah, it's going good at the moment. I think the manager's really, um, I think he's really sort of managing our performances well in the two competitions. Because as you say, that that was the one area where people were questioning and wondering whether um, it, it, it might hinder us. Um, and, and who knows what will happen in the new year. Obviously, if we, yeah. if we get through the group, it depends if we finish top or second. Hopefully we finish top. And so we avoid that uh, two-legged playoff game mm-hmm. in the new year. Um, I think that was that that would really help. But yeah, it's uh, it's feeling positive at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a bit a big win in Europe because Legia won uh, against Mostar as well. So it's us and Legia who are top of the uh, league there in Europe. So that Legia game when they come to Villa Park is going to be a big one. But it's scary, isn't it? When you think about them sort of lads coming back, the, the, the first team players who are out, Moreno, Ramsey, Buendia, Mings, we talk about it every single week. And a nice bit of news that's come out tonight as we're recording this is Alex Moreno's in the under-23s against uh, Swansea in the Premier League Cup. That's fantastic fantastic to see isn't it because I was sort of I mean I don't know what his fitness sort of situation is but he's been on the bench hasn't he last couple of games um I was sort of crying out for him to come on against uh, Alkmaar I know we were sort of chasing the game Villa had a lot of possession so wasn't going to be too taxing on him uh, unfortunately he didn't come on but it's nice to see him starting for the 23s tonight and hopefully a step closer well overdue step closer to, to coming back to the first team yeah exactly and he's and he's uh he's been, he's been a miss he's been a big miss because he's such a, a good player and uh you know he's he was a key it was a key part of of Villa's form last season. Um, after after the new after after February time, uh, so to speak, and so yeah, it's it's really good to have him back. He's been out for a long time, you know, six months pretty much. Mm. He's been out for five to six months, which is a an awfully long time. And I'm, I know he's had setback and uh, setbacks and stuff. And um, I think Emery's plan was to try and bring him on in some of the games that we've had in the last couple of weeks. But uh, I think he said that he wanted to bring him on sort of under no pressure kind of thing in a game where. You know, we we weren't really playing playing out for much, you know. And I think, like yesterday against Fulham, I think if um, if if that had been the case, if Fulham hadn't have scored and we were three 0 up with what 20, uh, 20 minutes to go, I think he probably would have done. But I think with Fulham getting that goal back and then obviously bringing Troy Ore on, um, I don't know if that was a great idea. Obviously, you didn't want like his hamstring to pop or something as as, 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 as Troy Ore's running at him in the cold. Do you? you know he's he's only just warmed up and stuff. And so I see why he didn't. Um, but it's good to see him get minutes tonight for the under twenty ones and. He's he's a he's a top class player, Moreno, absolute top class player, and I think he'll uh, I think him and Luca Dean can really push each other. Uh, but it gives you different options as well. I think they're two very different left backs, 
Um, and so, yeah, it, it'll be really welcome to have him back. Yeah, exactly. That's what you want, isn't it? Different options. And even just to give Luca Dean a rest, because like I've already said, like he's played 90 minutes every single game what it, for what feels like, what, two, three, four months, whatever. Um, another bit of uh, Villa news that's come out today, Esri Conser's first senior England call-up. I mean, talk about overdue. It's absolutely mental. I think I think it's only happened as well because Lewis Dunks got injured. So by hook or by crook, he's finally got in there, Esri Conser. Um, absolutely deserved. He's been an absolute role Royce for the last what would you say 12 months I mean he had a sticky spell under Steven Gerrard where he was getting uh he, he was poor he was poor but everyone was poor but since Emery's come in he has been absolutely top class and like we've said previously I think the sort of injury to, to Tyro Mings has had to bring out a different side to him and I think he's flourished mate he's been absolutely fantastic since Mings has been out superb yeah I see he's exactly what you said his role he's a Rolls Royce sort of player he's He's so comfortable on the ball. His recovery pace is excellent. Um, and he's been so consistent for such a long time. And I think what's really helped him this season in, in a roundabout way was kind of Ming's getting injured and him having to take on this sort of leadership mantle. And we've talked about that before, but he's really stepped up into it. And it was the area that, you know, maybe some of us were a bit worried about at the start of the season. We were saying, you know, Mings is now injured. He's such a key part of how we play and who's going to take on these leadership qualities. We were a little bit worried, weren't we, mm. defensively? We were saying, oh, you know, him and Torres, we're not sure. But, I mean, he's, he, him and Torres have built up such a, a good understanding and a good partnership. And he sort of leads that now, Konza. And, um, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. And I hope he gets some minutes because I think I think he's been consistent for a very long time, yeah. really. Yeah, he had that sticky spell under Gerrard. But if you, if you look back before that, I mean, in that... Uh, lockdown season under Dean Smith, him and Mings were absolutely outstanding, weren't they? Um, keeping you know a, a record number of clean sheets together, and so um, yeah, long, long overdue for Ezra Konza, and uh, yeah, just nice again. He's another one that we've got signed up to a, a, a long term deal only uh, a couple of months ago, and so yeah, massive for us, absolutely massive. Yeah, if you think about the sort of centre halves that we had when we first got promoted, he, he he was in there and he hasn't been shifted since. And I mean, you think about the crap we had as well in terms of like Bjorn Engels. And- and horrible players like that. You think that Ezri Konza has 100% solidified himself in that Villa team ever since we've been promoted and Villa as a side have come so, so far and the fact that he's, you know, kept his place there basically says it all about him. He's developed absolutely fantastically and he's still so young as well and I just think in that England side he could absolutely thrive whether it's alongside John Stones or whoever it would be. I mean, you see the sort of Maguire, that game he had against Scotland, that's the last England game I can remember watching. I remember watching Maguire against uh, Copenhagen in the week. He was absolutely Dyer, so he's deserved his shot as we can. So, and like you said, I just hope he gets some minutes because 100% he deserves it. I think he's you touched on Paul Torres there. I think he's reaped the rewards of it as well. I think Paul Torres last couple of weeks again, slightly unsung potentially. I think he's been absolutely superb as well. It's just I know it's quite bizarre to say, isn't it? Because we don't seem to keep clean sheets, but just gone about their business superbly well and just kept quiet and done their jobs. Yeah, and I think on, on Konza, I think uh, I think he's I think his history is, has has really helped him. Though he's played such a lot of games for such a young mm. lad. I mean, he's he's still only what twenty four, twenty five, and he played a lot of games um, in in the EFL for Charlton, and then obviously with Brentford before he moved to Villa and that stood him in really good stead really and I, I suppose you can be thrown into any situation and you don't have to be worried about him and the thing is for me like you look at the England centre-halves that we've got at the moment he, he should, I think he should be starting and, and, that, and you could say that's me being biased you, you could um, I'm not saying that the other player's bad but um, I, I genuinely think that he should be starting and I think if anyone thinks he's a rookie coming in and he could be a bit overawed by it he, he wouldn't be because he, he's, he's played so many games he's not he's not a rookie at all he's been he's been playing now for a long long mm. time 
Um, and so, so yeah, I, I, I would absolutely think that he should be he should be starting for England at the moment, absolutely. Um, but yeah, what you said about Perry Torres, I think he deserves a massive amount of praise as well. I think he's he's another one. We talk about Rolls Royce. He's another one. He's he's so so good on the ball. Um, he's just class. He's a, he's a different level how he brings that ball out. But he's settled down defensively as well, yeah. though, um, and he's kind of he feels like he's taken on a little bit of more of a leadership mantle. And I spoke about this on the podcast a good few weeks ago, but. When you when when you're watching it from 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 my seat in Villa Park from the north stand, you see him organising that defence, Torres, and he, and it was one of those things that at the start of the season when Mings got injured, people were questioning will will he do that as a new player coming mm. from Spain? Language, you know, he's not, he's, he's, he's isn't brilliant. Yeah, he could speak English, but it's not you know not fluently sort of thing. And mm. so, um, yeah, I think there was those question marks hanging over him, but. I think he's quietly gone about his business really well, and and I think he's starting to show that form now, which which makes you realise why Unai Emery wanted to bring him in. He's just he's he's so different, isn't he? So unique as a centre half, and uh, I think his passing passing ability is 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 just up there with. Well, I, I don't think we've seen that from anybody else. I've I think his passing is incredible for a centre half, and so yeah, him and Konza really developed a, a nice partnership. Yeah, just on on Torres, you think about the sort of stick he was getting at the start of the season. I, I think the sensible Villa fan. I don't think there was any stick there because I think if you had any sort of sense about you, you could tell it was going to give, take him time to sort of settle in. He was thrown in at Newcastle, etc. We all know the sort of scenario there. But I just think he's been absolutely top class, and you've got that sort of trust in those two there. And like I said. It is a little bit bizarre because I can't remember the last clean sheet that we kept, but a lot of the goals we do give away, they are slightly stupid. The the, the looser one is absolutely bonkers. That's the first one that sort of comes to mind. But I think on the whole, you just trust that defence as well. And we've talked about Matty Cash, who has absolutely stepped up and we'll come on to the, the Fulham goals, but he was massively instrumental with his tackle against William for the for the John McGinn goal yesterday. I just think the whole defence, um, and of course goalkeeper, deserve an awful lot of credit um, for the last couple of weeks. And it is bizarre, isn't it? Because the whole clean sheet record but they do in my opinion uh, especially at home I think we're scoring so many goals I'm not I'm not too concerned to be mm. honest with you it? and as you say some of the goals have been you know strange sort of goals I mean if you look at even the two at Forest essentially I mean it's not like we were carved open it's not like our high line didn't work or anything I mean I saw a, I saw a stupid article before the Fulham game I can't remember who it was it was on the BBC Sport website from somebody um, and they were saying that they were they were not impressed with Villa's high line, and they were talking about how Villa got oh. caught out a bit away at Forest. And I read it, and I thought, you haven't, you clearly haven't watched the match properly because we weren't caught out by the high line at all. It was, it was two, it was two shots from outside the area. Mm-hmm. The one being a mistake from the goalkeeper, and I find it all, I find all that sort of stuff stupid about the high line. I mean, when when Spurs and Ange Postecoglou is getting all these oh. praise for playing their high line, <laughs> yeah. but when Villa do it, it's like dicing with death, and we're going to get hammered <laughs> apparently. And it's like well, we've been doing, we've been doing this for like nearly a year now like are you okay like do you not understand football um but yeah in terms of the clean sheet thing I'm not too worried I think if we were getting carved open if we were if it was stuff like that when when our defenders were literally really not doing mm. their jobs I think that's when I'd be worried but um the odd goal when we're scoring that many goals anyway at home I'm not I'm not really too too fussed about and I and I think you know on the day as as was displayed at Chelsea way a little while ago I think you know we've got it in our tank to keep clean sheets but 
when we really need to. So I'm not I'm not too concerned by it, to be honest. Yeah, some of the articles that get published are absolute nonsense. I think when Villa lose, it's the easy option to bang the button of, oh my goodness, it must have been the, the high line. But as soon as we win for the 13th time at home, for example, it's not mentioned at all. So I think it's such a lazy thing. And you're right, the only people who sort of use that as an argument are people who haven't watched Villa week in, week out. So that's absolute nonsense. Um, just before we do move on to the Fulham game, just want to give, uh, well, it's a little bit of admin, really. We got our must star tickets didn't we for the Zwinski must star game in the middle of December I just want to have a quick chat about that because I didn't know whether I was going to get a ticket I won't bore you with all the sort of criteria nonsense but I was sort of wary about whether I was or wasn't going to get a ticket luckily I did get a ticket so that I said on Twitter that Villa on tour video will be possibly the best ever I mean our plan is so good I mean we're flying to Sarajevo driving across to Mostar and the route is a is between mountains it's along a, a beautiful river against the uh, through these sort of small towns in Bosnia and I'm just so excited because the trip and sort of Christmas time it's just going to be absolutely mental and I'm sure people have seen the, the pictures on Twitter of the away end at Mustard. if you haven't go and Google them I think the sort of stadium hasn't got stands behind each goal it's only got it's a bit like a running track isn't it it looks like something you'd see out the back of a leisure centre but the away end I think there's only seats in half of it there's burn marks there's only rocks where seats should be it's mad and it's going to be something completely new for us and I cannot wait yeah it's going to be uh, it's going to be an amazing trip and uh, yeah thank god you got a ticket because I was worried I was thinking <laughs> oh my god I'm going to have to I'm going to have to vlog myself oh my and I, I'm going to have to go rogue I'm going to have to go rogue with a camera on my own and that's just going to be an absolute disaster so yeah thank god you, thank god you got a ticket so yeah we can be in that horrendous away and sort of together and uh yeah you know what i saw a couple of the pictures on twitter of the away end and i think it was the picture that you put up with the seats which have have been looks like they've been like burned oh, or yeah. melted what <laughs> What's happened there? Well, they, they don't. Some seats don't exist. It's just a rock. So I don't know whether they just couldn't be bothered to put seats in, or they've just been burnt off. It's bizarre. Oh wow. Okay, that'd be interesting, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's something that we're going to cover on the video. Like, I mean, we did it at Alkmaar when we were talking about the seat numbers, and that blew my mind. Like that annoyed me. So imagine when there's not even seats and it's just a rock. Like I don't know. It's just going to be class. And like, I mean, the previous European games when we went to Warsaw, when we went to Alkmaar, it was very well organized, wasn't it? I mean, you had a fan zone. You could go to this pub. You could go to this pub. You're going to get buses that are going to take you right to the away end. I just don't get the vibe we're going to get that in Bosnia. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I think it's because there's only going to be 490 of us mm. as well. So it's not going to be as... I mean, like even Alkmaar, really. like Because obviously all the people in Amsterdam who came over without tickets, it felt like there was loads of us there. And the same in, in, in Warsaw. Obviously, we had 1,600, 1,700 tickets for that one. So we had quite a lot of people there. But for this one, there's only going to be 490 people there. Yeah. And I get the vibe that it's not going to be the type of game where people do go over without tickets kind of thing. No. It's going to be, you've only gone if you've got a ticket, especially only, what, 10 days before Christmas or something. So, um, yeah, you might be right. It might be a little bit left to your own devices kind of thing. I, I don't know. I could be wrong with that. And they might be planning something. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be um, it's going to be really good. And I think I said to you, didn't I, this... This Mostar one is the one that you would kind of expect from the Europa Conference mm. League. It's that really random one, isn't it? A team you've never heard of in a total random part of the world. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what 
Surrey Ava and Mustard's light, to be honest with you. I've watched a few YouTube videos. I'm a little bit worried about the drive, if I'm being totally honest on that. <laughs> Mate, the road looks fine. The road looks fine. It's not yeah. like dirt tracks along the side of a mountain. The road, it's like a proper normal dual carriageway. We'll be fine. Yeah, all I'm going to say is thank God we've booked an automatic car because <laughs> I think I'd I think I'd be struggling. My, my experience in Valencia in the summer wasn't great driving in Spain, so I could be a little bit shaky. But you know what? We'll get there. It's August. Yeah, I look forward to that. I mean, you say people won't go over there without tickets. I definitely would have gone over there if I didn't get a ticket. I do know somebody else as well that we both know that's going out there without a ticket. So all credit to them. There is quite a bit of history in Mustar as well. I don't know. That's, I mean, you're definitely a history buff, aren't you? You love that sort of thing. So that'll be, that'll be sort of good to sort of, I mean, I'll say it on the video and stuff. I'll learn more about it before we get there, but sort of the history, because I know when they came to our place, like they had Croatian flags and they sort of think of themselves as Croatian, despite being in Bosnia, although they're not a million miles away from Croatia. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? So sort of the history Mm. side of Mustar as well. Well, I think when you said you were watching the YouTube videos, there's like bullet holes in the buildings and all of that sort of thing. It's it's going to be really, yeah. really good to learn about, isn't it, as well? Obviously, the war was pretty recent. It was only in the 90s, yeah. wasn't it, in, um, in, in you know, the former Yugoslavia? And, uh, and, and yeah, so I can't wait. I think Sarajevo is a bit... It's obviously now a bit more built up. It's obviously been re- rebuilt because it's the capital city. I think there are there are still things there which which you can see, um, but Mustard's a little bit a little bit untouched from what I've seen. Unlike these YouTube videos, as you say, like sort of bullet holes in a lot of the the buildings around 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 the town and um, buildings sort of burnt out and stuff. But that probably sounds really weird to people that I'm going to enjoy that sort of stuff. But it's interesting, yeah, it is. It's interesting. It's interesting to see history yeah, and, yeah. Um, and and also to be a little bit clued up on on what's happened there before. And so it's not all about the football obviously that's the main premise of why we're going but we like to mix it up a little bit I always say that I always say if you're going somewhere I don't like me me being me I don't like just sitting in a pub and and not experiencing any of it I do like to kind of you know experience the sort of history there and 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 you know culture and the heritage there really so yeah I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to it yeah expect a sort of 30 minute long filler on tour vlog from that because it's going to be an absolute bumper episode for sure and my my uncle was over in Bosnia years ago with the army so I'll have to speak to him about it because he'll mm. give me a little bit of information as well so that's something different um let's finally get into the Fulham game 20 sort of 25 minutes into the podcast I haven't even talked about the Fulham game um there was a bit of there's this sort of new I don't know what you'd call it, sort of new writing on the wall in the whole end, uh, in the whole end concourse. It was quite cool. I noticed yesterday there was one that just uh, was sort of like a, a bit of writing that said the whole end with a nice lion. And then there was another one with the sort of the Villa boys from Aston, that writing. And there was new pictures on the wall. There's new toilets as well. So they emailed uh, all Holt and uh, maybe Upper, I don't know if, whether they did lower either, um, about sort of work they were doing there. And there's all been all this talk this season about the terrace view, whatever, whatever. But the services have have probably got a little bit better. I mean, there's there's better toilet facilities that I noticed at the weekend, the sort of design that they've got going on as well that I've just talked about. That was nice. So I don't know if you've seen anything on that side, but that was nice from a, from a whole sender's perspective. Yeah, that's important. I, I, did, I, did, I, did see, I did see or hear certain things about about how they've upgraded stuff, especially in the whole end after after complaints earlier in the season. And I'd, I'd like to say the same for the North Stand, but obviously that's not going to be <laughs> not, that's not going to be the same because obviously the North Stand is going to be pulled down. So um, yeah, there hasn't been anything changed with the North Stand. But no, I'm glad I'm glad the rest of the stadium's getting a little bit of a spruce up. It, it, it definitely needs it, um, and obviously you've got that added thing with the lower Holt fans can now utilise some of the the vans in the in, in the car park mm. at half time and stuff. And it's not ideal, but it's another space, I suppose, isn't it? And uh, yeah, you know, you're not going to moan about more space. So 
Yeah, I guess. Park. I mean, there's there's talk about making the whole of the the whole ten car park sort of that sort of fan zone sort of thing with like burger fans, whatever. And we've talked about it before that that's definitely an option. I think at the moment it's definitely in its infancy. We sort of three burger fans, and there was a massive queue that I saw to get in there um, for the Altmar game that I saw on Twitter. So I'm not sure if that's working amazingly at the moment, but it's progress, isn't it? If people don't know, for Europe, the European games, I'm in the North Stand, and I tell you what, the other night, I don't know if you saw it, the woman poured me the worst pint. It's I don't get it though because are these people trained like behind the bar at Villa because she poured the pint you know it's one of them that's out the can it's not on draft and she poured it like the can was the, the cup sorry was just on the, the thing like she didn't tilt it or anything so the froth was literally made up about three quarters of the pint and she kind of didn't know what to do because she knew it was bad so she didn't want to hand it to me so she kind of just milled around for a bit and I was sort of looking at it like is that for real honestly it was awful I, I just and there was a really nice man who bought it for me as well because he watched the video so I felt a little bit bad but Come on, the North Stand every single week, man. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, well, as, as you say, are they trained? The thing is, they probably get being 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 fair to them, they probably get literally yeah, poorer cans. Yeah, you get on, and that's probably their training. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, it's not great. I, I never buy, I never buy a beer. To be honest with you, in the North Stands, I just think it's, I just think it's pointless. Like the last time I bought a drink in the North Stand, I, I had a bottle of Coke, and it was, it was hot. red, and it was red hot. <laughs> so, so make of that what you will. I don't, oh. I don't tend, I don't tend to do it. To be honest. Just because it's going to just annoy me. So, yeah. Maybe when the North Sands rebuilt, I'll finally buy a drink or something. Yeah, it'll probably be about £10 uh, Diet yeah. Coke when that's built. So, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> I did like the Martinez presentation before the game yesterday. I thought that was top class. I know there was murmurings of the, the banner before the game. So, I knew that was going to happen, obviously, from where I sit. I can't see it. You would have a much better view. But it looked very good. And I liked what they did. The, the chant of sort of Emmy Martinez, the world's number one. That was really, really nice. And him coming out with his, his little lads with Daddy on the back of his shirt as well. I thought that was a really, really nice moment. Yeah, I like that. I like that sort of stuff, and uh, it was similar to the Charlie Aitken uh, banner that was there on Thursday night against Altmar. And yeah, I like all that stuff. It's uh, it feels like we kind of making a little bit more of an effort on the I don't know the presentation side or the yeah. or the or the what's the entertainment side sort of thing. I quite like the new halftime game as well. To be fair, oh but you don't, dear. Yeah. I don't. do. Come on, no, I do. I like because it's a quiz, and I like I like quizzes. I I do like it. I do like. It. I mean, some of the answers that. That some of the fans give absolutely appalling. <laughs> I mean, you need to do your research, guys. Come on, but um, no, I, I like it. What's it called? Shout out, shoot out, shoot out, shout out, shoot out, shoot out. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. I quite like it. You know, I used to like prize or it lies, but then obviously that didn't that then wasn't great in the end because the prizes weren't brilliant. And then <laughs> I didn't like that score at the Holt one. That that was rubbish. No um, horrible, horrible. The only thing I don't like about this shoot out, shoot out one, um, shoot out, <laughs> shout out one is um is just the fact that they kept saying that that lad who, who did it yesterday. They kept shouting. They kept saying that he'd he'd won. What was it like a top prize or something? But they didn't tell you what the prize was. No, I, th- oh, I, I thought he, he'd been rewarded with like a hundred prize reward points, which is like completely pointless. What's the what's he yeah, going to do with but, that? Do the whole thing again? I don't no, know. but no, but his first shot though. If you basically the rules are if you get the if you get a shot in the top bins you you get this sort of the oh, top prize right. right but no one knows what it is because they never tell you so it's a bit everyone's <laughs> it's a bit like okay but apart from that I think the, I think the game is really, really I think the game is pretty good I enjoy it no. I quite I quite like quiz stuff like that so yeah. no I've got a couple of issues with it firstly I think the goalkeeper is terrible it's just some sort of person who works a villa in a lanyard like they need to get with a proper a tie, yeah, yeah. bring back Hercules get him in goal or something like a mascot I don't know at least that'll be fun whatever happened to Hercules 
Oh, I think he got like sacked with like I don't know. He must have been out the door when Emery come in. He's not one of his men. I don't know. It's weird, yeah, like, isn't it, it? It is weird because there was a few. Wasn't there three? And then like yeah. it was two. And then yeah. it's just Hercules. And then they've all disappeared, which is a bit sad, really. You used to have Hercules, Bella, and then yeah. wasn't it like Chip or something like that? <laughs> Chip, I don't know who that is. I, don't, I, I might have made that up. I don't know. No, no, that rings a bell. No, that rings Does a bell. It? Also, with the, the the whole crossbar thing, there's it's it's a sort of flexible goal. There's not really a crossbar. Yeah, but it's progress. That. It's progress. I'd rather that yeah. than just nothing. Yeah. You know. No. So I, I want the, prize where it lights back because I know some of the prizes were stupid, like your height in monster. But at least you could get like, like a season ticket from that. Like there was some decent prizes. Yeah, I don't know. I think there was one decent prize. It was the season ticket. Like was that the bit gave, in the middle? That was the bit in the middle, wasn't it? Yeah, but if you gave me uh, my height in Monster, I'd be like, I'd rather not have it. If I'm being like this, give it some uh, else. This episode is not sponsored by Monster, and I don't think it ever will. Anyway, we'll talk about the football. Let's get into the serious stuff. Um, the team news was definitely interesting yesterday. When it came out, I was I was a big fan of it. Um, Zaniolo drops out. Tielemans comes in. What did you make of Tielemans yesterday? Because I thought he was very, very good. What did you sort of make of the, the role he was playing yesterday? Because I was a big fan of it. Uh, I thought, well, firstly, I thought Tielemans was excellent, and I think he has been excellent for a number of weeks, to be honest with you. I think off the bench and starting, I think he's been brilliant. And I think that game against Altmar away probably gave him a massive load of confidence, if I'm being honest. I thought he was tremendous that night, and then um, his sort of contribution ever since then has been good. I think the, the key thing is he looks fitter. He looks fitter all yes. of a sudden. Um, and I think that was the that was the issue earlier on in the season, I think. He was trying to, and I think he said himself, he was struggling to adapt to how Unai Emery wanted him to play, what he demands of the midfielders. Um, And he looks all of a sudden a lot leaner and a lot fitter. And Look, he's never going to be the quickest in the world, Tielemans, but he's got a good footballing sort of brain on him, hasn't he? And he's able to get into those right positions and um, he's able to pick out a a, a good pass. And um, I was probably a little bit surprised where he played. I I was expecting him to be sort of with Kamara in that sort of holding two and maybe Douglas Louise a little bit further forward. Um, but obviously he didn't. He played on that sort of kind of left-hand side kind of attacking role, didn't he? And I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. I thought he really sort of set the tone. He was really up for it, wasn't he? And I think that was the I think that was the main thing. He really set the tone for how Villa were, were going to play yesterday. I think him and McGinn, they looked like, you know, they were sort of, you know, taking something before the game to make them to, to make them like that. They were, I think both of them, they were just feeding off each other's energy. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, Tielemans deserves a lot of credit because it wasn't too long ago. There was those rubbish stories saying he wasn't happy yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. But um, all of a sudden, he's got himself fit. He's knuckled down and uh, he's putting in performances. And um, and all of a sudden, we're looking at him thinking, yeah, we got him on a free transfer. And uh, and it, and it kind of looks like a, a, a decent a decent deal now, doesn't it? Yeah, he was excellent. And when the when the team news did come out, I thought he was going to play that sort of role that he did away at Ars at Altmar, where he's like really, really high up sort of next to Watkins. But he did play on that sort of left-hand side and, and that's where one of the goals comes from. I, I just thought he was really impressive. And I think with Tielemans, I think when you put him in a side that's got better players around him, you yeah. are going to see the better version of Yuri Tielemans because when you throw him in against a, an Everton at Villa Park in the Cup where no one's really up for it, are they? And he's next to a Dendonker and... It's not mm. you're not going to see the best of him. I think that's pretty obvious. I think 100 percent that that sort of game at Ars at Altmar away, it kind of shocked me a little bit because of what we'd seen already. And he was just so, so good in that game. And I think he deserved his start against Fulham. And I think he took full advantage. So I think he sort of got that that space now down now. And it's going to be hard for, for Zaniolo to come in and take that back. Yeah, he did deserve it. Absolutely. He really did. Um and I, and I think the thing is we know what a good player he is. Though he's had a very, very good career. Um and I think 
you know, like we, we, when we signed him, we were all sort of really excited by it, weren't we? And I think he's found it tough, especially to knock Kamara and Louise out of the way. And yeah. he probably, he probably won't knock them out of the way because they're so good. But it's good again that Unai Emery is that type of manager where he surprises us a little bit, where he, you know, he, he puts players in roles where you'd never expect them to play. Like a, just to use an example of like Moussa Diaby, everyone mm-hmm. thought we were signing him to be a winger. Um, and yet, he's very rarely started on the wing. He's been that he's been that second striker behind Watkins, and so Emery keeps us guessing. And um, yeah, I thought that role suited Tielemans down to a T yesterday. And uh, yeah, he was. I thought he was really one of our best players, definitely. Yeah, he was. And I'm just sort of waiting for that Yuri Tielemans screamer because if, he seems to have one in him, doesn't he? I think he scored one for Leicester away at Everton that was a screamer away at Wolves as well. Those two spring to mind. Go on YouTube and search Yuri Tielemans' best goals because he scored some absolute screamers. I mean, I said the same thing about Coutinho and that never happened. So hopefully with Yuri Tielemans, it's a matter of time before he scores an absolute belter. Um, but I think we, we started well, didn't we? I think first 15, 20 minutes, we played really well. Diaby looked up for it. He had an early chance, didn't he, with a decent save from Leno. McGinn was just on absolute fire like you said it kind of felt like he'd taken something before the game he was mm. he was just everywhere wasn't he you can tell when McGinn's up for one of those games and he's just winning everything back he's rolling players he's got that burst of energy and his passing as well was so so good yesterday it just felt like we were gonna we were just gonna blow them away and we did when John McGinn starts like that you know we're on for a good one and we started well um with the goal as well like I said Tillemans on that left hand side that's where it comes from with the Robinson own goal from where I was I couldn't tell whether it was um a DRB goal or an own goal I was annoyed because I had uh, a bet on uh, with DRB to score first so I was a little bit annoyed um, but it's a nice move isn't it and it's nice to see Tielemans do you class that as an assist I don't know but it was a nice move yeah no it was yeah no I'd, I'd, I'd definitely class that as an assist yeah it was his cross I think he was going in anyway from DRB to be honest and it just took that nick off off obviously Robinson to, to, to go into the net um, but yeah well, I think what you mentioned about John McGinn I just I, you know I'm running out of superlatives to, to describe John McGinn I just I just he's been so good he's been so consistent since Emery came in really and he's just all of a sudden Emery just turned him into such a top class footballer as you say he's mm. passing he's shooting he's, his range of passing his energy around the pitch and like he never stops does he and Emery's comments after the game about how he was saying you know he's the absolute ultimate professional he, he'll He's always ready. Uh, he's always ready to be called upon whenever it is. Doesn't matter whether there's a game on a Wednesday, and there'll be a game the next day. Yeah. He'll be ready for it. Um, Emery was saying he uses his time away from the training pitch purely to rest, and he was just saying that he was basically saying other players need to take a leaf out of his book. And um, and Emery was saying, you know, we li- we couldn't we couldn't do anything um, that we're trying to achieve without him. And you know what? What a massive what a massive boost of confidence that is for John McGinn though. I mean the player who joined the Villa from the SPL when we were in the championship yeah. and he's and he's gone on that journey with us and now he's being called probably our most important player by the manager by an absolute elite manager as well and um yeah, John McGinn just epitomises everything that's right about this about this Villa team at the moment. And uh, yeah, I absolutely absolutely love the bloke. It's hard not to smile, isn't it, about him. He's just he's 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 just, he's just funny as well, isn't he? He's just genuinely funny and really really likable. Um, well, so he's just, got he's I'm got delighted. a bit of personality about him, hasn't he? Which yeah. a lot of footballers don't have, so that's so refreshing. And I think there was a there was a documentary. I think it was on TNT Sports, like a, a half an hour sort of documentary where they sort of hone in on a player and go and speak to his family and go and sort of see where he was brought up and you know started his footballer career, or whatever. And they did one on John McGinn not too long ago. So if you haven't checked that out, go and try and find that. It was on TNT, I'm sure. I think I've watched about half of it, but they talked to his older brother, his younger brother, who both play up in Scotland and. 
they talk about where John McGinn sort of started playing football out in the park and stuff in, in Glasgow. And it's really, really interesting, actually. And again, it sort of humanises these footballers, which I don't think you need to do with John McGinn, because like we said, he's, he has got a, a great personality. And it's quite funny, actually, yesterday as well. I don't know if you noticed it, but before, literally just before Fulham scored their goal, I think it was McGinn's family um, in one of the boxes in the Doug Ellis. They were going mental. And I think John McGinn had just done something in the corner or done something really good. And they're all up and jumping. And then Super John McGinn, uh, the song got going at Villa Park. I think you can hear it on the highlights and then literally Jimenez <laughs> pops one in, which is a little bit annoying. It happened against, Lu- I'm going off on a mass- massive tangent here, but it happened against Luton. I think we were singing, we want our ball back and then they scored. So don't sing at Villa Park because literally <laughs> the opposition just score. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know where I went with that. But it's just John McGinn. John McGinn is just the guy. What a captain. What a man. Yeah, absolutely love him. Absolutely love him. And uh, yeah, just such a such a key, key part of of. of- you know, Villa's team and you can't believe it wasn't that long ago when we were all talking about, you know, easy captain material under Gerard, and, you know, there was a time when, well, when Gerard uh, was about, to, well, when Gerard left and um, there was question marks over McGinn's future. I mean, there was talk about him going to like West Ham and he was quite open to a move at one point and that just feels mad, doesn't it? You know, he's, 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 he's now chalked, chalked up nearly 200 appearances for, for the football club and, you know he'll he'll go on and on, John McGinn will, and uh, yeah, great captain and um, and and yeah, such a great player who's improved so so much with 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 every passing year. And you know what? Do you remember the argument? Do you remember the argument about John McGinn being in defensive midfield all the time? And I used to say, just play him in his rightful yeah. role, just play him further forward, and he'll get shots off, he'll score goals, he'll create goals if you give him the chance to do it. And look what he's doing. You know, Emery Emery just makes everything look so simple, doesn't it? He does everything that's so. You know, every he does things that everyone just sees as as, as sort of straightforward. You know, Kamara and Louise in that sort of uh, double pivot, John McGinn further forward, and you know, surprise, surprise, it sort of pays off. Yeah, I mean, what was it last season? One goal for John McGinn. I think he's already got five in all competitions, so yeah. uh, not too bad at all. We haven't even talked about his goal. What a goal. I said earlier it comes from Matty Cash. Fair play to him. He deserves a lot of credit, but it's that sort of feint with John McGinn for that goal that sort of sends, I don't know who the defender was, but it sends him the other way, which opens up that bit of space. And it's an excellent finish. And I think he was sort of threatening to do that, John McGinn, a couple of times um, in the game before he scored, but it's a beautiful goal right into the corner. You must have had a great view of that one. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 he's he's very unique, John McGinn. Really, when you think about it, I mean, like a lot of, when you look at football players, I suppose when they're scouted football players, you're looking at their sort of skills and tricks and stuff like that, aren't you? But with John McGinn, it's 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 more about his like his his, his body movement, isn't it? He can mm. he can create chances from nothing, just out of how he how he moves his body, kind of thing. And that's exactly how the goal came about. But he's very unique, really. He's very like very like an old fashioned type of player, really. With that, you don't you don't see many of them. Um, and anymore and so it's great that we've obviously got one but yeah it, it was literally his body movement it, that, that, that's what took the, the Fulham defender out of it and then yeah just lashed that one in, in right in the corner of the net and the keeper had absolutely no chance um, sort of reminded me do you remember the goal he scored against uh, Middlesbrough back in the back you know when we were on the, the 10 game winning run in the championship oh, um, yeah. it was very very similar actually probably this one was a little bit better but it was very very similar it's impressive to sort of 
if you t- from the angle he was at, to sort of use your left foot to bend it into the bottom right corner, that's impressive because if you open up on your left, you sort of expect him to go the other way. But to put it in that bottom right corner, it just shows the class of John McGinn. And again, he gets the sort of, I hate this, but the pre-assist for the third goal with that sort of flick to Leon Bailey. It was a, it all comes from Leon Bailey, to be fair. We'll talk about that goal now. It all comes from Leon Bailey with the run and his burst of pace. And I think fair play to him because he made the right decision. I think especially in the Altmar game, he was quite frustrating. He was, he got into decent positions, but he'd just do the slight wrong thing with the wrong pass or he'd put too much power on the pass or whatever. But I think he was spot on there, Leon Bailey. And it's good movement to get round John McGinn. And I thought the sort of chance had gone at that point. So I think McGinn had about three full players around him, but it's a nice little flick to Bailey and Watkins was nearly offside but he was in the right position again that's where you want your striker to be isn't it and he gets his customary goal 3-0 happy days yeah and as you say Leon Bailey off the bench again you know really causing sort of havoc for mm-hmm. for the for the defence and, he, and he'd literally just come on hadn't he literally just come on and uh yeah, he's having um, he's having a, a world of a season, really, Leon Bailey. If you look at his stats, I mean, what is it now? Is it is it six goals in all competitions and six assists or something like that? I'm sure it is Near something enough. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, uh, something like that. Which is you know, he's really stacking up, isn't it? And um, you know, he sort of is becoming that player that we all kind of thought he was, Leon Bailey. And yeah, and you know, people say always oh, better off the bench and stuff. And I don't, I don't actually agree with that. I think he's been good off the bench. He has been good off the bench. But I always say, it, but if you look at Leon Bailey last season at Villa Park, how important he was, and he was starting games last season. And so, um, I, I, I still think he's a really important player for us. I think he's involved in a lot of the goals that we score, Leon Bailey. And um, and yeah, that play was just brilliant, wasn't it? He's, it was his pace, wasn't it? His, his sudden burst mm-hmm. of pace, um, which which sort of got him away. And it was a great great ball down down into McGinn and. Uh, and again, that pass from McGinn was just brilliant, wasn't it? Really pinpoint, brilliant. Yeah. And Bailey, Bailey continues with his energy to get it into Ollie Watkins. But the start of that move as well was really poignant for me, though, as well, because uh, we were actually defending a corner, and it was Ollie yeah. Watkins who who cleared it. Um, and then he literally it went from what twenty, maybe twenty seconds later, and the ball was in the back of the net, and it was Bailey the assist and Watkins with the goal, the two players that were kind of in the defensive positions mm. for us, and so. Um, yeah, a brilliant goal, an absolute perfect counter-attack goal. And um, again, I think that goal really epitomised everything that Emery's Aston Villa is all about, really sort of pace, power, sort of aggression. Yeah, I love goals like that. I love counter-attack goals. And um, yeah, just so so easy on the eye, aren't they? It's just so like, feels so rewarding them goals do. It felt like a good time to score as well, because I think Fulham had a, a decent start to the second half. I think it was more down to Villa sort of starting quite slow. I don't think Fulham really created too much. I think Jimenez had a shot, didn't he? And then William blazed it over where Martinez actually makes a really, really good save. I think that's the only sort of one you'd look at and think, oh, that, that was close. Or Martinez had lots of work to do. So fair play. And that, that third Villa goal sort of felt similar to the Watkins one against West Ham, where, you know, the opposition side are having quite a bit of, you know, joy and you know, they're creating something, the momentum's with the opposition. And then Villa just use that pace, go down the other end and sort of kill off the game. So it was nice to see that we've got that trait. You saw it against West Ham. You saw it with this goal as well, just to kill off the opposition despite them having a bit of momentum. Yeah, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier though. With I, I said I wasn't worried about our, our defence and, and this is and this is one of the major reasons why because you know in a 90 minute game against anybody you're not going to you're not going to outplay them for 90 minutes they're going to have a period of a game where they come at you and have a couple of chances and yet what villa do you just mentioned the west ham game and the fulham game there 
and even like the Brighton game, for instance, we there was moments in, in all three of those games where the opposition obviously came at us, but Villa's defence was resolute in that we didn't concede a goal in those in those moments sort of thing. And then you know with the attacking talent we have on the pitch, we, we we've got it in us to go up the other end and score another goal, which kind of kills the game at that moment. Um, and so yeah, I mean like that's a massive massive praise really to all the team. The defence was staying resolute and strong, and then them being, you know, really on it to go and score that third goal. And as we say, what a goal it was. And yeah, I you know, I, I thought it was I thought it was really deserved. Like I say, the team Fulham's gonna come back at back at you at some point. They they had a pretty pretty dire first half. Um and so they weren't going to be as bad in the second half. Um and that's the Premier League for you. You know, it's not a walk in the park anymore. I think any team that any team that you play up against, they're, they're gonna give you a challenge. And it's I think it's mm. because near enough every team in the league He's decent, to be honest with you. I don't think it's, I don't think there's any team that are ap- you'd say were absolutely terrible. I think even you know, okay, people might point to the likes of Luton, Burnley, Sheffield United, but even Luton and Sheffield United, especially, they're fighting. You know, they're they're picking up points. Um, and so I think look, it's tough to play against anybody in the Premier League, and um, and yeah, so I think for Villa to be able to be so resolute at the back and then kill off games and score three goals at home again, I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible the amount of goals we're scoring at home. It's absolutely unbelievable isn't it and it's sort of setting that precedence it's like you're going to Villa Park and you expect us to score like three or more goals it's it's mad yeah it's crazy John Towney put out quite a nice stat here um, he said Unai Emery screamed at his players in the dressing room at half time demanding they kept a clean sheet against Fulham Aston Villa have only kept two clean sheets in their last 17 at Premier League games but scoring goals is not an issue and that's probably why we're not too concerned about the whole clean sheet thing if it was causing us problems and if it was making us drop points you'd have a problem mm. but at this point I mean, you've got to laugh at the Luton goal. Jimenez scoring his first goal in, in 18 months as well. It is a bordering, like, laughable, but it's probably something in the long term we probably should look at eventually. Yeah, it is. But I think I think it's about how the games pan out, though, as well. I think when you're 3-0 up, I think it's very difficult. context, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think exactly. I think it's very difficult to stay totally 100% switched on and focused. And that was the Jimenez goal yesterday, essentially. We weren't, our, our, our back line, you know, we, for once, we didn't catch Fulham offside. Um, and it turns out to be just a lofted ball over the top and a, and a, and a sort of tapping for Jimenez. And, but you're right, it's context though. I think if that was nil-nil or one-nil Villa, mm. I don't think that goal happens. Um, so it, it is context. I think, look, we'd all love to be saying we'd win three, four-nil and we'd keep a clean sheet every week. Like, absolutely. But I think you're right, it is context. And I think because of the volume of goals Villa are scoring and the comfortable score lines Villa are winning by, I think you can sort of let let a goal go, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not. Like I say, I'm really not worried about it. And, and to be fair, I'm one who loves a clean sheet. I love a really good defensive display. I think there's nothing more pleasing sometimes than a really good defensive display. But when we're scoring that many goals, I mean, what, we're, the, we're the second high scorers in the Premier League, which is... An absolute ridiculous stat, you know, twenty nine goals this season so far. You know, you can't moan about that. So the old goal goes in against us. I'm really not that bothered to be honest. Twenty nine goals in the Premier League, twenty three at home. That is absolutely bonkers. It's it's crazy. And Villa have got the best home form out of the top five leagues. My Aston Villa at the top with six wins uh, out of six. Atletico Madrid, Bayer Leverkusen, Liverpool, and Manchester City have only played five, not six. Are the only teams that have got a hundred percent record at home. So to be to be up there with the likes of those sides, it's it's just it's bonkers, isn't it? And it's it's just all these stats coming out about Villa at Villa Park, and it's it's just absolutely crazy. And like you said, you just go to Villa Park expecting to see three or more top class. Yeah, I I, I just I think it's mad actually. Like sometimes I think you, I think because football matches come thick and fast, don't they? In the schedule that we're, that we're in, and sometimes it's sometimes it can be very easy to forget about 
where we actually are as a football club compared to where we mm. were. And I was talking to my brother on the way out of the game and I said, you know, when you, when you step back and think, I, I don't remember, I don't ever remember a level of consistency that, that, that this football club has reached um, up until this point with other managers. And I even go back to the good times under Martin O'Neill. You know, we were never consistent like that. We, we, we were poor at Villa Park, if anything, under Martin O'Neill. And that was because he was a proper counter-attacking manager. And before that, John Gregory, you know, he, he, John Gregory finished uh, finish in the top sort of six, seven every season for Villa. Yeah. And yet we, were ne- we never found consistency levels like that. And even before that, with Brian Little, Ron Atkinson, etc. And now you're at the start of like the 90s. And so... We've got it so, so good. Um, and I think, genuinely, I think this team is the best. I, I will put it out there right now. I think we've got the best manager and the best team for a very, very, very long time, since since, since the 80s, if, if, if you want me to be totally, totally honest. And that's genuinely what I think. I think, especially if you look at how, how the Premier League's developed, how good yeah. all the clubs are in the Premier League as well. I think this team absolutely walks all over the team that Martin O'Neill managed and the team that John Gregory managed all them years ago. And even the one that, that, that won the League Cup under Brian Little and Ron Atkinson, I think I think it's that good. I honestly think it's that good. And I just think that, you know, we've got such a structure in place and um and I just I just hope it I just hope it carries on and carries on. And I and I, mm. and I think it will. You know, there'll be bumps in the road and there the definitely will, but I think if we keep hold of this manager and we keep adding, you know, two to three key players in every summer sort of thing, I just think Villa are on a, on a massive sort of upward trajectory and I think there's a lot to be excited about. And, um, yeah, you're just relishing every game to come, aren't you, at the moment? Oh, I love it. I love the positivity. And how about another stat from Opta Joe? Aston Villa have won their last 13 home league games, their longest such run in the top flight since 1983, also 13. Indeed, they've now won 14 home games in the Premier League in 2023, as many as in the previous two calendar years combined. Like that, mm. like it's just bonkers. It is bonkers how far we've come with this manager compared to the last one. Transformed, absolutely transformative. It's it's such a breath of fresh air, and it's just so positive. And like you said, I just hope it continues, and I'm sure it will because the manager's elite. Yeah, and I can't I can't see why it wouldn't. I think we've got a top top class setup right from right from the owners all the way down. I think on the football. I mean, you just look at it with Munchy and Damian Vidigani and all of mm. the Emery's coaching staff he's brought with him. I, it's like every single area is covered, isn't it? And I think that's the key thing for me is that Vidigani and Munchy just allow Emery just to be the head yeah. coach. He doesn't have to get involved or dragged into anything else within the club, essentially. He just has to focus on coaching the players and what a brilliant job he's doing at that sort of thing. And that's his expertise, isn't it? And that's why you have other people around him to do other things. And uh, I think we've got it made. I think we've given him we've given him that sort of structure. We've given him the freedom, given him the keys to Villa Park, essentially. Um, but I think that helps that helps the club. It's going to help the club grow. Um, and I think for Unai Emery, it's sort of, I think it's in his mind just to think, well, even if even if he did get a, a job offer from a, a, a another big club, why would you move? I, I just think he's got that he's got that setup that he that he always wanted at Villa. Yeah. Um, and I was saying I was saying yesterday to my brother, I said, do you know what? I really hope he he ends up becoming our sort of I don't know our sort of Fergie or Wenger, where is he? Like 10, 10, 15 years sort of thing. And, and you just think with the success he could bring with the structure that's in place. Why wouldn't I? Genuinely, why wouldn't I? And you know what? Maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Maybe <laughs> I am, but with how well we're doing. But I just think this is such an amazing time to be a Villa fan. And I think we can we can sometimes, like I say, with all the games that 
come thick and fast. We can sometimes forget we can sometimes forget that a little bit or take it for granted. But I can't I can't I can honestly say I've never enjoyed I've never enjoyed being a Villa fan more than I have in in, in the last mm. year. I just think since he came in, I think when he was appointed, it just felt right when Unai Emery was appointed. It felt like he was going to be the right man. Um, and a year on. While well, he's absolutely exceeded mine and everyone else's expectations at how well, how, how well we're doing. I mean, you look at the team yesterday, and I think it was something like eight players out of that team were players that Emery hasn't signed. They're just players yeah. that he's inherited and coached forward. Um, and I think that shows even more. I mean, you know, you you go through the team even further. The likes of Konza and John, John McGinn was obviously in the Championship. Konza was bought when we got promote, uh, promoted. You know, you've got the, you've got players there who he's just turned into real, real sort of top, top class players. And so, yeah, absolutely loving it at the moment. Um, and yeah, let's just hope it continues. Yeah, it just feels special. And he's got all the ingredients there, hasn't he? So let's hope he is here for a very, very long time. But international break now, another one. Um, but the run after the international break is very, very interesting. That Tottenham away game, Sunday the 26th of November at two o'clock, that looks very, very tasty. And on paper, it looks like we should be going there with a decent chance with what's going on at Tottenham with their suspensions and injuries and things like that. But Fordy talks about the away form. That's something we've got to look at. And then after that, you're looking at the, the midweek against Leggy Warsaw, another huge game in Europe away at Bournemouth after that which typically we've struggled going there and then you've got that double header in the space of sort of what is it three or four days against Manchester City and Arsenal at Villa Park so when we come back after the international break hopefully the players that aren't going away have a decent rest um, because that is some run there and that that's going to be so important going forward. Yeah you know what it'll be a big test be a big test for the players but I'm not scared about it. I'm genuinely not scared about it. I think we can get points. I'm not saying we're going to win every game or stay even unbeaten mm. during that period. I'm not saying that. But I've got full faith in the manager and full faith in the players that he'll come up with something which gives us some points in that running. Um, and I think even even Man City comes... I watched Man City yesterday. I saw their 4-4 against Chelsea. And you can get at Man City. You can genuinely get at them. And when they lost to Wolves the other week, you can get at Man City. And at Villa Park, packed out Villa Park, noisy Villa Park, why not? Honestly, why not? Arsenal are the same as well. I'm telling you, honestly, this Villa team is special and, and I genuinely don't fear anybody coming to Villa Park. And as you say, it's sandwiched. we got that leggy Warsaw game, which is absolutely huge. Probably our really first really big European game. Um, obviously, if we win, if we win by two goals or more, Villa sort of certain yeah. of the top spot, which, which is absolutely amazing, really. So, yeah, really, really exciting times, mate, at the moment. Are you saying we're going to win the league? Three points off top. We can get at Man City. Arsenal to come as well. Tottenham to come just ahead of us. Title charge, no? Do you know what? I'll tell you what. If you, if you, if you get positive results against City, Arsenal, Spurs, then let, let's face it. Say, let, let's just say we, beat, say, let's say we beat Spurs, we beat City and Arsenal. Villa will be top of the league. Yeah, I don't that think that'll all, happen. That is all I'm saying. <laughs> no, but even if you get no, but even if you get even if you get like a decent points return out of that, I'm not saying, like I'm not saying that'll happen either. But we'd be right up there, we're right up there. And I know Emery doesn't want to talk about it at the moment. He's playing it down, isn't he? Which is absolutely great. I wanted to play it down as well because if Villa did get Champions League this season, it would be the absolute most ridiculous, um, you know, astonishing sort of achievement yeah. that, that 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 we've seen for a long time. Let's be honest, that's not that's probably not the realistic aim. It's not. But if it came along, let's be honest, Conference League was never the aim last season, though, yeah. from, from where we were. Um, and so let's just play each game as it comes and see where we end up. Yeah, look, I'm joking, but it's not outrageous. Like, just because 
we're fighting with Liverpool, Man City, who have won ridiculous amounts last couple of years. Like we're up there, we are up there in that sort of camp. And talked about it a couple of weeks ago. That sort of bridge between fifth and sixth now with Manchester United to a four points behind us. Everybody's played twelve games. We've got that nice four point gap, haven't we? So we're we're closer to top of the league than we are to sixth place below us. So it's nice to have that gap. And yeah, a couple of results went our way at the weekend with Newcastle losing down to Bournemouth, um, Tottenham losing as well. But that's going to happen over the course of the season. So we keep going about our business. And you're right, this Villa team special and it could be a very special season. It could. And I think if you add Jacob Ramsey into the mix, I've been saying that for a long time and I've been saying it for weeks now, but um, you add Jacob Ramsey back into the mix, hopefully after the international break and it gives us uh, it gives us another sort of platform, doesn't it? It gives us another really top-class player. And Jacob Ramsey is one of our best players as well. It's mm-hmm. not like it's a, a, you know, like a fringe player coming back. Jacob Ramsey is a really key player in that Unai Emery Villa side and we all know how much Emery loves Jacob Ramsey. And so get him back in the team and... Well, the options look kind of frightening, don't they, really? So, yeah, absolutely buzzing. Um, just so, so happy with, with the work the manager's doing. And can't believe we're only a year into his tenure and this is what it looks like. Yeah, it's good. Just just stay fit, please, everybody. Just stay fit. I mean, the only thing that annoys me about Conza going away is that potential injury risk there. But look, that's football. You, you come away yeah. with that sort of thing. So international break is here. Now you're off on holiday tomorrow, so it's all right for some. Um, getting a bit of sun during your international break. So not too bad, is it? Yeah, off to the Canary Islands for a week. It's all inclusive tomorrow. So <laughs> uh, yeah, nice sunny, nice sunny break. Don't plan on doing a fat lot and coming back. <laughs> Recharged and refreshed ahead of uh, Villa's yeah mammoth run into Christmas and the New Year. Well, you've got that Premier League lifestyle you have, haven't you? Jetting off during the international <laughs> break. Now, fair play to you, mate. Should be good. Thank you very much for listening uh, to the podcast. It is very much appreciated. Go and check out the Villa on Tour YouTube channel. Go and look at the last uh, couple of videos over there because there's plenty uh, of videos to watch with the European games as well. So go and check that out. Please do subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is. Please do subscribe so you never miss an episode share the podcast around as well tell your villa mates if they think they'll be interested in this and without further ado we'll have a couple of weeks off and speak to you after the international break up the villa mm-hmm.